Welcome to Reading by Candlelight at Molly's Cottage, where we proudly celebrate and promote new Australian writers and their stories. I'm your host, Fiona Taylor. Each episode, I chat to an author whose book features in Molly's gorgeous monthly book boxes, along with a selection of handmade items that complement the book setting. Reading by Candlelight would like to acknowledge the deep history and culture of Nipaluna, so I pay my respect to the original owners, the Muin and our people. I also pay my respects to all First Nation storytellers and their elders. So light a candle, settle back, and let's meet this month's Reading by Candlelight book box author. Welcome back, Joe Dixon, to Reading by Candlelight at Molly's Cottage. I'm back. It's been a year. What a year it's been for all of us. Yes, as you said, it's Joe's second time here. She was not only Reading by Candlelight's January 2023 pick, but it's first ever book box author. And here we are 12 months later, and now your second book is also the first book box pick for 2024. Isn't it fantastic? And and you guys have come so far from, from a fledgling little business that Molly was running to um, a very successful little business that Molly is running. Yes, she has done amazingly. I'm so proud of her and just so proud of this community that she's built. It has been a huge year for you, Joe. Since we last talked on the podcast, it's been one hell of a year. It's been um, uh, it's been a rush. It's been it's it's a blur. Like I, if I think look back at the year, it's gone so quickly. So many wonderful, amazing things happened. Met some amazing readers. Um, meeting readers is just fantastic, and just makes you warm fuzzies and think that this writing gig and all the hard work you do, it's really worth it. So meeting readers, meeting other writers book events, seeing the book out there, getting great reviews, sales, of course, always are nice. Um, but yeah, now we're doing it all again with book two. <laughs> and your first book, The House of Now and Then, became a bestseller and one of the top three Australian bestselling debuts of 2023. Congratulations. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Uh, th- this time last year, I would not have believed that. I was, It was um, unexpected and really, really appreciated. Yeah, it's I, don't take any, I don't take any of it for granted. It is amazing to look back on it and think back then you were hoping that you could sell just a few. <laughs> and that's how I feel this time. <laughs> now, you were also shortlisted for the prestigious Ned Kelly Award, longlisted for the Indie Booksellers Award, gained an agent with the wonderful Zeitgeist Agency and signed a new publishing deal with HQ Books at HarperCollins for books three and four. And co-hosted a podcast that hit number four on the Apple Podcast book charts in its first week. Did I miss anything, Joe? Um, awesome. I don't can't. It's a blur. I can't. <laughs> can't I think it's pretty much it for all for all the key milestones. Yeah. So tell us, Joe. Was last year the year of your dreams? It really was. Um, you know, I'm 55 years old, so to just to end up with the career. And I'll call it a career now because I'm I'm writing full time. End up with the career of your dreams at this stage in life is so incredibly satisfying um, and enjoyable. And I just I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I, I won't say I'm loving every minute because there are times it is bloody hard work. There are days when you sit down and the words do not come, and every sentence is a slog. And I don't know where the plot's going, and my characters aren't behaving themselves, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm Googling how to write a book. So there are days where it's tough and it's not easy and it's not enjoyable. 
the overall picture of being an author, being a published author, it's brilliant. I'm loving this. I'm loving it so much and and I'm not going to give it up anytime soon. Well, that is good because we love your books and we wouldn't like you to give it up. Thank you. And for those of you out there who are new to Jo's books, let me tell you a little bit about her. Jo Dixon lives in stunning rural Tasmania on a beautiful property populated by a menagerie of animals, which includes sheep, peahens, dogs, cats, and ducks. And chickens. And chickens. Oh, my goodness. I think that's it. Oh, and guinea fowl. And guinea fowl. <laughs> Let's not forget them. She writes twisty and suspenseful mysteries with strong female friendships at their centre. As we said, her debut, The House of Now and Then, was a bestseller, and her second novel, A Shadow at the Door, in my opinion, because I have read it, will certainly cement her as one of Australia's best crime writers. But it's true. I wouldn't say it if it's not true. For those of you who are listening and who will know that Jo and I are friends, um, I did say to her that if she wasn't such a great writer, I'd have to ghost her because I wouldn't be able to tell (laughs) her face. (laughs) And you're still communicating with me, so that's a good sign. It is. It's the best sign. The second I go go dark, Jo, you know it's all over. (laughs) I'll use that as a measure of my progress. Jo is also co-host of the Word Count podcast, which follows three Australian writers to publication with internationally acclaimed podcaster Jack Ellum and an up-and-coming writer who also happens to host this podcast, yours truly. Now, let's get into the January reading by Candlelight book box, shall we? Yes, let's do it. Jo, can you give us an elevator pitch for a shadow at the door, remembering that this is a no-spoiler podcast? Okay, no spoilers, so we'll keep it short, succinct. Uh, The story, A Shadow at the Door, is about Remy Lucan. She's an ex-actress who, for various reasons, has taken herself to Hobart, um, where she spent the last few years uh, renovating uh, an old manky sandstone house. It's disgusting. But anyway, it's the thing she's most proud of. It's certainly better than being a trophy wife to a wealthy man. Uh, but unfortunately, that ex-husband of hers decides he he wants his money back. He he helped fund her purchase of the property, um, and he wants her out. He's trying to force the sale. She doesn't have much money, so she decides to take in two unlikely tenants. Now, this goes really against the grain for her. She's quite reclusive. She doesn't like people. There's been some trauma in her past, so she does it very reluctantly. So, two different, very different women um, come into her home. And then things start to go amiss. There are some incidents that are disturbing. And at first she just thinks they're accidents and they're unrelated. But it soon becomes obvious that there's something bigger at stake. Is someone out to get her? Has she let trouble in through the front door? Or are they all in danger from something further afield? So it's it's a mystery. It's suspense. Uh, and there's some twists in there as well. I know it's amazing. It ticks all the boxes. You've got... Everything you've got mystery, you've got suspense, you've got twists, and it's just a rollicking good read from start to finish. Oh, thank you, thank you. Now, I read in an article you wrote for the Sunday Book Club page in the Mercury that this story was inspired by your friend sharing her home with strangers when she needed to find flatmates to help cover costs. Is that true? Yes. So I have got a friend of mine now. She goes under a pseudonym in the article, and I won't, I won't out her here. Um, <laughs> but she was quite a successful 
businesswoman uh, or career woman. She had a quite a, a well-paid job in a commercial entity. Um, and then she decided she wanted to go back to study. And she was probably in her mid-40s when this happened. And she chose to do the course down in Hobart. So she moved down to Hobart and she rented a house. And she had to get in flatmates because she couldn't cover the cost. Going back to being a student, she couldn't cover the cost of the rent on her own. And it struck me as almost peculiar, um, you know, being uh, a grown adult, older person and suddenly going back to that warehouse environment. We were probably all familiar with when we were much younger. Uh, and then I thought, what do you have to go on when you when you take someone into your home like that? You basically just got your gut instinct. What if you got it wrong? What if you got the wrong person and what if things started to go, go wrong within your own home? How would that feel? Um, and that's where it started. Yeah. That's fabulous. I love hearing where uh, where stories originate from and often they're even stranger than the truth. <laughs> yes. Well, my friend did have um, mostly really lovely people. The three years she was there, mostly really lovely people in the house with it and all around her own, around that age, most of them are a little bit older, um, which is a growing trend. Quite a few older people are, you know, people of our age um, are going back to share housing because of costs. Um, but she also had a couple of very strange ones as well, uh, which I won't go into, but there were a couple of there that she had to speak uh, sternly to and perhaps ease them on out the door. I love that. I also love that you set the book in Hobart because for people who haven't been to Tasmania, the architecture in Hobart is absolutely stunning and I could easily imagine Remy's gorgeous sandstone house that she's lovingly restoring before everything goes wrong and someone sets out to destroy her. And I'm interested, what is the most surprising thing you learned while writing this book? Oh, that's a good and slightly tricky question. The most interesting thing... Oh, surprising. Well, surprising, surprising thing. Perhaps the most surprising thing was with this one was the style of book that I was writing. So I wrote this book before I got my first book contract. So it was written at the same time, that, or just a little bit after The House of Now and Then was, was written, before I'd been picked up. And it was originally a little bit more uh, general fiction. It was just a story of friendships and the relationships between these women. Um, and then I sort of the surprising thing was that I darken it. Normally I'm quite dark by natural instinct, um, but I needed to up the ante and increase more, increase the suspense, increase the twistiness. Uh, so that was probably the most surprising thing was having to rework and edit the story to bring it more into that realm of, of what the House of Now and Then was, which was twists, secrets, lies, um, surprises. Uh, so that was, was enjoyable, but it, it was surprising how the book changed over over the time that it was, went through the editorial process. Um, but I'm quite happy with the outcome. Um, and the other one was writing. There's a, there's a scene, and I won't, no spoilers, but there's a scene that I found very tricky to write and it's very physical. And my visceral re reaction as I wrote that uh, quite surprised me. Um, you know, made me teary at... Uh, or the, what was happening to the characters. And, and I had a very, even every time I wrote it or re-edited it or, or went over it again, I had that same visceral reaction to it. So hopefully that got into the story a little bit as well. That's an interesting response, especially the fact that you were writing this before you even had a contract. 
And then once yes. you had the contract, things changed and you needed to make it a darker book. And it is a very, in, in places, it is an extremely dark book. And I think that a lot of the darkness that's in it lends itself to making it a very real story because this happens to women out there. Yes, yes. Say and no. we can't delve into it because we're not going to give anything away. <laughs> no, not at all. But you created such a brilliant cast of character, of flawed characters, because they're all flawed yeah. in their own way. Um, yeah. Beautiful former TV star Remy, her new housemates, sensible Josephine, and the gorgeous Emerson, and her slimy ex-husband Simon. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had so many people reach out about Simon. Like They'll be in the first chapter and they'll, they'll send me messages with language that I won't use here, saying basically that bastard, he's got to go down. And I think I personally, I love, I I get very invested and hooked into stories where there is a despicable character that you want to see get their comeuppance. That that pulls me through a book almost as much as, you know, the who done it or the why done it. Uh, having a character that you want to see pulled down keeps me in engaged with the book so to have people read this and and have that rea- reaction to Simon well, it's delightful <laughs> and Simon's trophy wife Kayla and then there's Remy's best friend and maybe love interest Luke so so many wonderful characters as I said all a little a little bit flawed in their own ways which one of these do you think you'd enjoy hanging out with the most Oh, good question. Um, I would probably say, I, oh, my goodness. I'd almost actually say Simon because I'd like to really push him down a flight of stairs. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think I'd like to spend time with Josephine. She's probably the one to whom I feel more closely related uh, or relatable to. Um, yes, and she's a bit of a dark horse. So, yeah, I'd say, I'll say Josephine. I really did enjoy Josephine, but I must admit my favourite was Emerson. I loved her Pollyanna disposition and her naivety and giving nothing away. I spent most of the book terrified for her. I was so mad at you at one point because I was like, what? But I forgive you, Joe, because that's what great writing does. It evokes an emotional response in the reader, and you certainly did that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. I'm pleased to hear that. You get mad at me in the middle of a book. That's a great response. <laughs> and I think also what I loved most about A Shadow at the Door is the creeping tension. And there's okay. building suspense throughout the book. And it's a slow burn of a mystery that when it takes off, you do not apply the brakes again until the chilling climax. And that's not an easy thing to do. Well, Congratulations. Now, what I want to ask on the end of that is that did having your first novel become a bestseller make it easier or harder to edit mm. your second? Because I know that you wrote it before you got the contract, but by the time you're editing it, The House of yeah. Now and Then was going gangbusters. Yes, yeah. Did that affect the way that you edited this book? Yes, yes and no. Um, certainly increased the pressure a little bit or somewhat because but I, look, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I had second book jitters around this one. Um, when my first book did so well, I got a little bit nervous about whether this book would, would live up to that. So I, I certainly put the pressure on myself as far as, you know, editing and making it making it come together strongly. Probably the, the biggest influence was the fact that I'd been through the editorial process once already. 
So I understood going through developmental, structural um, copy edits. And I, I, I could do that with more ease this time around and more understanding. Um, I I've come to learn that the structure of a book can influence the storytelling. So House of Now and Then is dual timeline. That's, that's the structure I'm talking about. Not, not three-act structure or anything like that, but uh, the um, format. Um, Shadow at the Door is in three parts, um, one part, two part, three. Um, and that was a wonderful way of telling this story. So that influenced the, the narrative of this, of this particular story. The book I'm working on now is a different format again. Um, I won't go into that. Uh, but I think the experience that I've gained itself is what made the process different this time. The having had success with House of Now and Then just just made me more worried about it <laughs> and, and pressure on, yeah. I think I know the answer to this, but, Joe, tell us what is your favourite part about being a writer? People. People. <laughs> I knew it. Both the readers and the writers. Um, there is there are so many reader events I've been to, whether it's sitting down for dinner with six people from a book club or a bigger reading gathering, a gathering of readers where there's you know a hundred readers in the room, or um, going to book signings. Readers are fabulous. Having them reach out to me or have them, have them tell me what they loved about the book or what they engaged with or uh, what they took away from it. It's, it just gives you kills. It gives me goosebumps. Um, it's so enjoyable. And there are things I've walked away with just going, oh, my God, I love being an author. I love it. Um, then there's the writing community. Uh, and I was just thinking just the other day that I'm still pinching myself that there are there are books, there are authors that I've read for years and love. You know, they're on my bookshelf up there behind me. And I now know them. And I've yeah. met them and, and had drinks with them and talked to them and, you know, to be brought into that world is just, it's still slightly surreal and incredibly enjoyable. There's some amazing, amazing people. Um, and then there's the people like yourself <laughs> and Jack, who does the uh, the Word Count podcast with us. Um, people that, you know, true friendships that form through this weird world that we are part of. Uh, so, yep, the best part about being a writer is the people. That's so lovely. And I knew that you were going to say that because you've, we've often talked about who you meet in the journey are the people that bolster you up. And and you must love your readers because they love oh, you. So much. So much. And there are readers that I communicate with frequently through, you know, Instagram and email and what have you. Um, but, you know, I consider friends. So, yeah. And the Bookstagram community, oh, can I, I can't forget that. Bookstagrammers are, and reviewers are just amazing. They they put so much of their own time and effort into supporting authors, reviewing books, promoting them um, for nothing. Um, they might get free books, but, you know, but, and most of them are so honourable and so respectful. Uh, I absolutely take my hats off to them. We wouldn't, you know, we, we we wouldn't get half the exposure we do as authors if that weren't for that community. Yeah, bookstagrammers are amazing. And it, it, when you meet them, for me, it's like meeting someone that you've worshipped from afar. It's, <laughs> it's like, God, I know you, I know your face. And you do have a lot of upcoming events to promote a shadow at the door, don't you? Do you want to share, can you share some of them with us? Um, I've got the two main ones that are coming up down here in Hobart um, on the Wednesday, the 17th of January uh, at the RACV Hotel on Collins Street. 
Six o'clock is the official launch. There'll be cake and champagne and me. Uh, oh, and Jack Allen from the Word Count who will be doing the Q&A with me. I do believe you'll be there too, Fiona. I will. Um, <laughs> wouldn't miss it. Uh, on the following, on the Friday after that, Friday the 19th of January, she says, checking her diary, um, is a literary lunch. Um, this is a little bit of a posh event. Private dining room at a very nice restaurant in uh, in Hobart um, for a fancy dancy lunch uh, with the wine and food and again me. Um, so that's happening. And then in February, I head off on a bit of a book tour doing Victoria and South Australia. Um, and then I've got library events in March down here in Tassie, and there'll probably be some a few other things thrown in there as well as we go on. So if people are following you on Instagram, they'll know where to meet. Yes. yes. I will put up posts um, with all the details. <laughs> now, at Reading by Candlelight, you know how much we love supporting and promoting Australian authors. So, Joe, can you recommend a book by an Australian author that you've read recently and would recommend? Yes. Okay, Hannah Ritchell, Search Party. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, I've just picked up The Dinner Party by Rebecca Heath. I'm about to start that one. I've been <laughs> reading Margaret Hickey. Broken Bay, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. Um, so yeah, that's, and more that I can't remember off the top of my head. That's three. I think I think three. I think three is enough. So we've got Hannah Ritchell, Rebecca Heath, and Margaret Hickey, yes. all fabulous crime writers, thriller writers, excellent. And I shall put those books up so everyone can see them on the gram. Fabulous. Now there are a lot of subplots to a shadow at the door. How did you manage to tie it all up in the end? And I know it's hard because it's spoilers, but did you have like a a board? Did you have like post-it notes everywhere? Well, how did you? <laughs> oh, the good old post-it notes. Yeah, there's definitely post-it notes involved. Um, big, big oversized um, art paper, um, which I do lots of scribbling and drawing and looping and arrows and connections and what have you. Uh, that's the early stages. And then there's post-it notes all over the table. I use a big table and spin down on that. Um, yeah, those are my probably my two main techniques. Um, I'm very visual, so I, I like to be able to just lay it out and see it. Oh, and, of course, Scrivener, which I find um, super, super beneficial when you've got dual, uh, multiple points of view or dual timelines or keeping everything connected. So, yeah. Yes, Scrivener is a wonderful tool. Yes. Highly recommend it. Okay, we're going to do a fast 10 to finish up. Just say whatever pops into your head. Are you ready, Joe? I'm not ready, but let's do it anyway. Let's go. When did you first realise you wanted to be a writer? I was five years old. Tell us something about you that readers probably don't know. The more unusual, the better. Um, I'm an avid adult fan of Lego. I love Lego. I love collecting it, building it. <laughs> Name a living author you'd love to meet. Hannah Ritchell. If you didn't write, what would you do for a living? Be a bookseller. Oh, that's a good one. What was the last TV show you binge watched? Oh, I've just finished two, uh, Paper Dolls and Fool Me Once, the Harlan Coben adaptation. So I've just, just finished both of those. Do you have an unpublished first manuscript lurking in a drawer somewhere? It's a, yes, I do, actually. Um, it was a romance I wrote. Oh, my God. 12, 13 years ago. So, yes, I do. Will it ever see the light of day? Maybe. Do you write in silence or with music? Um, I have a little bit of music. I have lo-fi music playing in the background. Lo-fi girl plays in the background all the time. Favourite book as a child? Secret Garden. Oh, I love The Secret Garden. 
What is your next book called and can we expect it soon? The working title is An Act of Truth and Fiction and fingers crossed it should be next year, early next year. Well done, you you survived. (laughs) That was fun. And some interesting answers in there, Joe, because you have the best titles for your books. Do you always have the title before you start? No, not before I start, but it comes during the process. So An Act of Truth and Fiction came quite early on. A Shadow at the Door came right at the end when we were in the editorial process. The House of Now and Then came before I pitched it, but after I'd finished the manuscript. So in, in all three cases, well, two cases have gone to print. Um, they were my titles. I came up with them. So Ooh. it's quite satisfying to have them kept by the publisher. That would be satisfying because very often they get changed. Yeah. I want to thank you, today, Joe, for your time today and also for being Reading by Candlelight's Book Box author for January. And I understand that you actually wrote your candle fragrance from the book box into this novel. So that's a little extra for all our Reading by Candlelight listeners who will be able to burn the candle from the book box or reading about it in your book. I love that. I love that. I, I, that was completely unintentional. But yes, I, I used one of Molly's candle fragrances and re- referenced it. I didn't reference Molly, but I referenced uh, being an artisan candle. Um, what was it? Honey and native flowers. Uh, referenced it in the book and then it's going in the book box. So. If you want to purchase book Joe's book box, you'll have to hurry because I believe it's almost sold out. Subscribe to Reading by Candlelight at Molly's Cottage to ensure you never miss out again. And if you do miss out, Joe's book is available at all her upcoming events and she will sign it for you and at all good bookshops. It is. It's everywhere, everywhere to be seen. <laughs> so I want to wish you, Joe, all the best for a shadow at the door. After reading it, I'm certain that you're going to have the same success you experienced with your debut. The House of Now and Then. They are both such strong, strong books. And I'm looking forward to all the events promoting the book because I think I'll be at 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 least half of them. I would be very disappointed if you weren't, Fiona. You've such a good track record for attending. (laughs) So congratulations, my wonderful friend, Joe Dixon. You've done it again. Written a wonderfully crafted, suspenseful and twisty thriller. I just can't wait to read what you write next. Oh, thank you, Fiona. Thank you for having me. Um, And I really, truly appreciate being part of Molly's book box. Um, I feel quite honoured. I know this will be my last one because um, you only do um, debuts and sophomores. Um, So I tend to revel in every moment of being in your box. But all our authors remain part of Reading by Candlelight community forever and ever. We still promote and support every single one of them from that third book winner onwards because we're so proud of you all and everything that you achieve. Joe, from Reading by Candlelight and to our listeners, until next time, may your candle glow brightly and happy reading. Thank you for visiting Molly's Cottage, home of the Reading by Candlelight book box, the only book box subscription that supports emerging Australian authors and their stories. Head to Molly's website, mollyscottage.com.au or follow her and Reading by Candlelight on socials.